say, they say we should have known better than to fall so deep down, deep down into this rabbit hole we found. Welcome, friends and colleagues, to a special edition of the Down the Rabbit Hole podcast. This is a featured cast, so let's not waste any more time and get on with the program because it's time to hand the microphone over to the guys. Take it away, gentlemen. Welcome in Down the Rabbit Hole, folks, and we are back live-ish, recording live at Enfuse uh, Conference 2017 here in Las Vegas, Nevada. James and I are up bright and early this morning, I guess as bright, bright and early, early as you're going to get in Vegas, right? And, bright and early uh, after late night, but you know, I'm still on East Coast time, so it's still, late, it's, it's early, still late I don't know, it's, it's something. I don't um, feel like I wake up early, except for when I look at the clock. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't have any in, in the casinos here, so you're set. All right, so we've got an awesome interview for you guys today. Um, we've got a keynote speaker that's uh, well-known, uh, great history. Going to talk about some. Actually, he's going to talk about whatever the heck she wants to talk about. Quite frankly, <laughs> uh, Teresa Payton, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. I'm I'm excited. So, um, tell us uh, for those folks that don't actually know you, that don't watch TV, or don't know anything about computers, uh, who you are and what you do. Sure, absolutely. So my name is Teresa Payton, and I'm the CEO of a company called Fortalist Solutions. If you do watch TV, um, I'm on The Hunted, which is a show, reality TV show put out by CBS. And my mother says it's an absolute must-watch. So if you were looking for a recommendation, my mother's a huge fan. Uh, and in like the reality it. show, what's interesting is it is a contest, but as much as possible, it is run like a true fugitive task force investigation. So all the things you see on the show, we're actually doing our real job as if we were hunting the worst of the worst. Uh, and then before I started Fortalist Solutions, I was the chief information officer for President George W. Bush. 2006 to 2008. And before that, I was in the financial services industry trying to fight off cyber criminals and cyber terrorists from impacting the bank. So uh, aside from the really cool job of being on TV, which of those were your favorite, either the White House or the uh, the financial? You know, I, I have to say, I mean, I really enjoyed being in the financial services industry. It taught me a lot about how to look at things from the human point of view. Okay. So taking care of the customer, making sure they love to interact with the bank while trying to keep everything secure. And I think that really prepared me for the job at the White House. I mean, working at the White House was an incredible honor, um, just sort of a chance of a lifetime, really. Um, And I didn't think it was going to be easy to top the White House, but um, being on Jon Stewart's The Daily Show was pretty cool. Uh, (laughs) And uh, being on Hunted has been a really incredible experience. And I met so many you know, kind of these national treasures, these former law enforcement, former intelligence agency uh, people, you know, from all walks of life who have, you know, dedicated their lives to protecting and defending the nation. So it's a pretty incredible opportunity. So a chief information officer for a, a, a presidential administration, that is, uh, that's, that's a hell of a duty. 
Um, that's a lot of, well, first off, there's a lot of information um, that you have to figure out what's secret, what's not, um, what can be released, and where is it, and what is it. That's like the, a CISO's worst nightmare in, in a lot of cases. It is. And, you know, it's interesting. So the, the chief information officer job changes with the, each administration. But under President George W. Bush, he had everything under that role, including the chief information security officer. So I had responsibility for, you know, making sure the unnamed locations, Air Force One, President's Residence, you know, Camp David, make sure that no matter where he, the vice president and the 3,000 staff who work for the executive office Only president, no matter where they were, that it was as if they were at the White House on 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. And it's just always kind of, uh, you really have to get creative in order to pull that off and make it safe and secure. Which is something we see a lot of companies, right? It doesn't, I mean, presidential, of course, but every place. I mean, you have to get creative. You've got limited you budgets. Do. You've got limited resources. I mean, that creativity is a must, and I can imagine it's you know heightened quite a bit when you're dealing at a presidential level, but taking that experience and sharing that. Now, do you share that with your customers, with your current company? Is that We do. I mean, we, you know, it's interesting. Um, there were some strategies that we deployed at the White House that are incredibly effective, right? So, you know, under my watch, no data breaches, thank goodness. Um, the, you know, current, the last administration. That has since, by the way, fixed itself. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> but and but I, I don't blame, you know, I, I don't, it's not because they didn't have a great team in place. It's just because cyber criminals, you know, they just keep at it until they figure out how to get in. Criminals gonna crim. Yeah, they are. I mean, <laughs> hackers gonna hack, right? I mean, haters gonna hate and hackers gonna hack, right? I mean, it's just a fact of life. But, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, we do with companies today is we, we talk to them. We don't talk to them about the confidential and classified stuff, but we talk to them about strategies, the strategies we use to protect the White House proper, the, uh, the people that work there, and even the first families. Because those strategies are definitely strategies that anybody can use. Well, so I got to say, like, you know, everybody, this is like the real world meets the presidential suite. Everybody wants to use their own device. Everybody wants to do the Internet their own way. I don't imagine W was a big Snapchat fan, but was there Snapchat? I don't think it was actually. Probably Facebook, right? (laughs) But... uh, but uh, but I mean you know social being social and texting and oops giving away your location and stuff like that uh, probably it carries over into their civilian world pretty easily as well. It does, it does, and and that's why you know one of the things that I think is a really good best practice that all companies should use is when you talk about cybersecurity to your employees, start first on their personal life. So you've talked about I mean, that a million times. Yeah, that's a great advice. Hearts and minds of the employees, right? So I saw this healthcare company do this. They actually had seminars on how to protect your aging parents from internet fraudsters. I mean, how many of you get that phone call from your mom or dad? Honey, what's wrong with the computer? What's wrong with my phone? What did I do? And I now got you're, this text that said I, I want a vacation. I I to. <laughs> I've gotten exactly. it twice recently from my mom because she gets these browser hijackers that come in and hijack the browser and so I've got to you know through text message send her paths to go in and clear it out and Exactly. You're doing tech support. You're the the family geek squad, right? So you have that, and then they also did a seminar on how to protect your children's internet reputation, 
their identity, and protect them from internet predators. And they tied it back to the corporate security goals, but they focused on their families. And the employees said that they actually retained the information better, and they did a better job on the social engineering exercise that year. Very few people um, actually fell prey to it that year, and they really kind of took those lessons to heart. So I think if you can get to the hearts and minds, that's going to be key. That's that's any CISO's goal. Yeah, and one of the problems we have is trying to get that information out. We have a really hard time relaying that information. So how do you feel uh, after doing Hunted? Do you feel like there's more people that are kind of gravitating towards that because of what they see on the show and are like, oh, wow, I can't believe we can do this stuff. And while a bunch of that stuff, right, was made for TV where we cut out a bunch of things, the processes to get things done... To have the idea that, wow, I can't believe that when I do this, this is tracked or I can, you know, all these different ways to do it. So it seems like a good way to help raise that awareness for people of, of really what the risk is out there. It is. And, you know, it's interesting. So when Glenn, Glenn Geller, who's the CEO of New Programming, uh, when he was talking to me about the concept of the show and we talked about, you know, kind of law enforcement and surveillance state and all of that stuff. And I said, I... I agree. I think there's a good education process that needs to go on, and I hope that people will be engaged and a little enraged at sort of what they've given up for privacy. And I said, but I actually believe that you're doing a public service because families can sit down and watch this show because there's no cussing, there's no TNA, right? So it's a very clean family show. Families can watch the show, and parents can say that thing I was telling you about, see what happened. Um, the other thing is there's a lot of victims out there. There's victims of cyberbullying and cyberstalking, these kids, and they don't really know where to go. And this show will show them there's actually good guys out there who can help you. And so for those kids who have no hope that yeah. the cyberbullying, they, they can't sort of unmask who their aggressors are, who are making fun of them online, and they feel like kind of the world's closing in on them, I'm hoping that the show gave them a little hope that you know, delete's yeah. not delete. Anonymous isn't really anonymous. Yeah. Everything you post is now posted. It doesn't matter what the you internet do to it. never forgets. It no. has it. Yeah, it's really weird. I mean, when we were kids, um, back in my day, no, um, you know, bullies. Once you got away from school, that was it, right? You were free yes. until next day, and sometimes they'd let, left you the heck alone and forgot and whatever. But this stuff doesn't go away, and I, and I understand. I mean, I, I, I don't envy my kids for having to go through this sort of new era. Um, so, you know, we've got a little limited time with you, unfortunately, because you're going to go out and keynote, but uh, um, privacy is a big deal. And you, you mentioned the trade-off between privacy and technology. If we look at the amount of privacy, privacy we're giving up, uh, the simple question I have is, do you think most people understand how much privacy they're giving away uh, before they watch your show? Um, while they're Facebooking, Twittering, Instagramming, and I don't know, Snapchatting and whatever the heck else kids, kids do these days? They don't because, um, you know, no offense to the lawyers, but the privacy policy, it's really long. It's in six-point font. Right. <laughs> and, and actually, it shouldn't be called privacy policy. It should be called your lack of privacy for signing up. That's what it should be called. And so I think people just, they click because they want to get out there and they really want to be using the service because their friends and family are. And they don't really realize that there's some pretty simple things that they can be doing to not be tracked and not give themselves away and and not give up all their data. And they just don't realize it's just a few more minutes. So for example, uh, the Canadians do a great job in protecting privacy and thinking about this issue. And they have uh, a website called catsme.ca, C-A-T-S-M-I.ca. 
And what it's done is it's taken all the privacy policies of all the social media platforms and written them in plain English. Outlining. I know, right? And so you can read that. And and then there's free tools out there that are really cool that you can use like Ghostery and Privacy Badger and their uh, little browser add-ons so that when you're doing searches and visiting sites, it'll protect your privacy and it'll warn you that you're being tracked. And so there's just these little free things that you can do. Um, and you just have to find the right setting for you. Privacy is kind of a personal thing. Yeah, well, and it makes it difficult, too, because you look at a lot of, like, security awareness training, and they talk about limit browser plugins. And so, you know, users don't know, is this one safe to use? Should right. I use this? Right. It's you got know. 100 thumbs up. Wait, they're yeah, wrong. Yeah. yeah. It's, 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 really it's Igor. It's just really Igor giving you 100 thumbs it's up. It's difficult from that. But then there's also... There's a lot of things we don't have control over. So when you watch the show, I mean, you look at things like the license plate readers on the highway and, you know, the cameras at the gas stations and at the ATMs that we don't think about. You know, you walk up to an ATM, you use it, you know, thinking about, hey, this is all videotaped because I'm not doing anything malicious. But the ability for that stuff to be, have access to it, and, and we really don't. I mean, it's not like I, you know, there's a privacy warning when I walk up to the ATM, hey, you're on video. We just know that, but we just don't think about it. Exactly. So I, something I wanted to talk about, because I know a bunch of our listeners mentioned you and I asked who they wanted to have interviewed. Um, Infuse tends to uh, attract, uh, as Patrick already mentioned his keynote, best 1% from the industry, right? And there is a significant female population here, which is pretty awesome because we don't, uh, maybe that's getting better. And as uh, somebody that's uh, a woman that's got a one heck of a role, Right. What kind of advice would you give to, to the young ladies out there, uh, either thinking about a career in information security, um, pursuing what they what they've already got? Um, so, and maybe sometimes feeling a little discouraged in a world that doesn't particularly uh, isn't particularly hostile, uh, not non-hostile, I guess, in some situations. Yeah, I mean, what I would say is, first of all, we need everybody in this fight. We need male, female, minorities. We need them all. What I love about kind of, um, and we have quite a few women that actually work for my company as well, Um, what I love about having sort of the different um, backgrounds and disciplines and males and females at the table is we tend to solve problems differently. And this is a creativity issue. Cyber criminals are actually not any better than you and me. They're just evil and lazy. And they have tons of time for creativity because they don't have a real job because their job (laughs) is to steal from other people, right? And so I I love having different people around the table because they bring these different analytical and problem-solving skills. What I would say to the women is, is if you didn't start out in this field, there's lots of different ways to go ahead and get training. First of all, you can actually volunteer your time at FBI InfraGuard. So you can get to know people, hear about cases, meet other people. Secondly, there's a ton of free online courses. You know, one of the programming languages uh, very much used in cybersecurity is Python. Well, I took a free Python uh, class on Coursera, and it was... Um, you know, kind of easy to fit it in my schedule. Not an easy class to take, but it, you know, easy <laughs> to fit into my schedule. And so there's a lot of different ways, you know, reach out to other women who are in the field and ask them what they would recommend. Read, you know, listen to, um, you know, podcasts like yours. Read different blogs that are out there. There's a ton of free videos of speakers from RSA and Black Hat. You know, just kind of go out there and be a student of your own career And then figure out what you are passionate about. Because there's so many places you can play a role in cybersecurity. And figure out what are you passionate about. Like at the end of the day, when you had a really good day, 
what did that involve? If it involved being at the beach, you should probably be a lifeguard. But if it involved helping people and making a difference, then there's different parts in the cybersecurity lifecycle that may be the better place for you. And so be that student of your job, study, find your passion, and then you'll find the right place for you in cybersecurity. That's that's fantastic advice, and I think that um, you know, like you said, the different perspectives really drive uh, our ability to solve some of these really complex problems because um, we are we're mentally uh, everybody brings their own uh, their, their own perspective, their own uh, take on things, and everybody solves problems differently. And I, and I we definitely need more of that because we all have day jobs and we have budgets and we we want to go home to our families, and uh, the criminal element usually doesn't have much of that at all. So they've just got as much time as they want, right, and to, mm-hmm. to accomplish whatever task. Well, cool. So what do you want to leave us with? Um, this has been fun. I, I, we could talk to you for hours, obviously. Um, well, thanks. Well, first of all, have me back. This has been just a delight to be with both of you. Count on I'm it. happy to help any way I can. And, you know, what I would say is um, you know, one of the things I'm going to talk about in the keynote is cyber criminals don't follow rule books, so why should you? So now, don't tell your boss I said go break all the rules um, and break laws. I didn't say break the law. I said break the rules. We need new rules to be safer and to improve our cybersecurity. So be thinking about that. Awesome. Well, we will definitely have you back, Chris Payton. Thank you so much for joining the Down to Security Rabbit Hole podcast from live-ish from Infuse Conference 2017 here in Las Vegas. Uh, off to your keynote then, and we'll be eagerly wait, looking at uh, – ways to get you back and uh, so folks listen up uh, we're going to have uh, Teresa back in the near future um, and listen for the rest of the interviews and um, information from the conference as we release these out we'll talk to you soon on another episode bye bye thanks for listening to a down the rabbit hole feature cast we hope you found this episode infotaining make sure you've checked out the show notes caught up on past episodes and subscribed or bookmarked us so you don't miss any future episodes feel free also to harass Roth for words like infotaining using the twitter hashtag pound dtr thanks for listening and on behalf of our guests and the dtr hosts goodbye everybody until next time Thank you.